0: The story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent.
1: Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet.
0: You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. A small boy is reported missing from his home. His age, nine years. Foul play is suspected.
2: Your job, find him. You'll be amazed when you compare Fatima with other long cigarettes. You'll find they now cost the same. Difference is quality. You see, Fatima is the quality king-size cigarette because it contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended. And Fatima is extra mild with a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. So try comparing Fatima
1: yourself. Fatimas now cost the same as other long cigarettes,
2: but your first puff will tell you...
3: Ah, that's different.
2: Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Ask your dealer for Fatima. The quality king-size cigarette. Best of all long cigarettes.
4: It was Thursday, December 22nd. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of Homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way into work, and it was 3.55 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, Joe. Ben? Well, here's the file on the Webster case. Any ball the follow-ups been made? Yeah. I'll get it. Homicide, Friday.
5: This Levinson, Unit 113J. Got something for you.
4: Yeah, Harry, what's doing?
5: Uh, Doherty and I are out here on Collis Avenue, 4656, trying to track down a nine-year-old boy.
4: Yeah, what's the story?
5: The kid's missing, suspicion of foul play.
4: Well, how long's he been gone?
5: About two hours. Looks like a job for homicide. Well, how do you figure? The kid was last seen playing in the backyard of his home. Yeah? We checked over the yard.
4: Did you find anything?
5: Bloodstains, lots of them. They look new.
4: Ben and I left a message for Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. Then we went over to the crime lab, picked up Lieutenant Lee Jones, and drove out the Arroyo Seco Freeway to Collis Avenue. It was an average neighborhood. Number 4656 was a one-story green stucco residence situated on the corner of Collis Avenue and Harrison Drive. Beyond the backyard was attractive undeveloped land covered with scrub oak. Harry Levinson from Highland Park Juvenile was waiting for us in front of the house. Let's
5: back this way, fellas.
4: Coming, Link. Wait
5: I get my bag.
4: Uh, who notified you that the boy was missing, Harry?
5: The mother. Said she went out to do some Christmas shopping about 11 this morning. Left the boy home. Mm-hmm. She came back about 2 this afternoon. He was gone. What's the name? Johnstone. The kid's name is Stanley. Nine years old.
4: Mm-hmm. Was this gate open like this when you got here?
5: Yeah, I haven't touched the thing I uh, hear the stains over here, Lieutenant Jones. Along the edge of the walk. See? Yeah.
4: Let me see. Yeah, quite a few stains, huh? Yeah. Like it
6: might be blood. Try some benzidine on them. There
5: we are. See what happened. Where's the kid's mother now, Harry? Yeah, in the house. Darty's talking to her. Did you talk to any of the neighbors? People next door are the ones on this side. They
4: couldn't tell us anything.
6: There it is, fellas. Yelly. These spots I covered with benzidine, they're turning blue. Bloodstains all right. You can't say definitely whether it's human or animal blood.
4: Mm-hmm. Do you have to go back to the lab to run it through?
6: Yeah, biological precipitant test. Hand me one of those glass files for my bike, will you? Yeah, sure. Okay, here you go. Hey,
5: Scrape some flakes off for a the test.
6: Yeah, there we are. How soon can you tap the blood for us, Precipitant test won't run more than 20 minutes. It'll take three or four hours to run a blood grouping, though. That's it. Anything else you want to check?
4: Levinson? Anything
5: else? Oh, yeah, uh, right here in my handkerchief. Empty shell. That marker over there by the rosebush? That's where I found it. From a 22, huh? Yeah, might tie in, might not. Mark it and dump it in this envelope, will you? Mm-hmm. There
7: you, go. there
5: you go. Did you get out a missing broadcast on the boy here? Uh, Doherty did about a half an hour ago. Here's a description here. Oh, thank you. Will mother know about the blood sting? No, we didn't tell her. She's worried enough already. And she has no idea what might have happened to her boy, huh? No more than we do. She checked all her friends and relatives. We're covering the neighborhood. No trace so far.
8: Not much to go on.
4: Bloodstains. Empty cartridge. Yeah, it could mean a hundred things. Any ideas, Friday? Just one, and I don't like it. 4.30 p.m. Thursday, December 22nd. The neighborhood search for nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone continued. Lee Jones went back to the crime lab to start the precipitant test and the blood grouping. Levinson and his partner, Doherty, from Highland Juvenile, stood by. We called Chief of Detectives Thad Brown, and he ordered up a special detail to aid in the search for the missing boy. Ben and I questioned the boy's mother, Mrs. Ruth Johnstone, a woman in her early 40s. She seemed fairly calm under the circumstances. Miss Johnstone, is your boy Stanley in the habit of wandering off without telling you where he's going?
3: No, he's not in the habit of wandering off, but he has done it before.
4: Well, when was the last time, Miss Johnston?
3: You don't have any children, do you, Sergeant Friday? No, ma'am, I'm not married. Well, there comes a time in every young boy's life when he feels that it's time to leave home, go out on his own. Usually happens somewhere around 8 to 10.
4: I think I know what you mean, I have a boy. Well,
3: then you know how it is. My husband and I scolded Danny one afternoon after school, and he was quite put out about it. thought George and I were unfair. Packed a few of his things and left. Well,
4: how long was he gone?
3: Oh, no time at all, about two hours. I was worried about him, but my husband said to leave him alone. Said every boy had to go through that stage.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, then you think that he's run away from home again this time?
3: Yes, I think so. He's been gone about four hours now, and I have a funny feeling about it.
4: Did you and his father have some misunderstanding with the boy recently?
3: Well, that's just it. We haven't. I don't mind telling you that now that we're talking about it, I... I am getting worried.
4: Well, is there any place around that he might like to visit? A hobby shop, playground, someplace he might be?
3: Yes, there's Jensen's Model Shop, Little Shannon Burroughs, but I've already called there and he hasn't been seen all day. I've called all his friends and they have no idea where he is either.
4: Well, we'd like a list of all of his friends and the places that he was known to frequent.
3: Yes, all right, I'll give them to you. Where do you suppose he is?
4: Where's your husband now, Miss Johnson?
3: At work. George works for the city. He's a fireman.
4: What house is he stationed at?
3: Engine Company Twelve. He's working the A platoon. He'll be home tomorrow morning. I haven't told him Stanley's gone. Well,
4: is there any chance the boy might be down at the firehouse with his father?
3: No, he seldom goes down there anymore. No, I don't think he's there. Uh, I'm awfully worried. May I call my husband? Well,
4: certainly. Go right ahead. I, mean, I
3: know George will be worried. Engine Company 12, please. Stanley's been gone too long. Hello? May I please speak with George Johnstone? This is Mrs. Johnstone. Thank you. Oh, I hate to call George at his work.
4: Yes, ma'am. Does your husband own the gun?
3: Yes, he does.
4: What caliber do
3: you know? Well, it's a 45 automatic. He got a knife. George? Uh, This is Ruth. Uh, George, is Stanley down there with you by any chance? Oh. No, I can't find him anywhere. He wasn't here when I came home from doing my shopping. There are two policemen here. No, I said there are two policemen here. No, dear, I'll call you if we don't find him soon. All right, dear. Yes, you too. Goodbye. I didn't think he'd be with George.
4: A uh, forty-five. is that the only gun in the household?
3: yes. Why are you asking about guns? Has anything happened that you're not telling me about?
4: No, ma'am, just routine checking. We'll have to take a look at that 45 if you don't mind.
3: Maybe I should tell you we do have another gun in the house, but it's all wrapped up. George bought it for Stanley's Christmas present. What if we could see it, please? Yes, well, will you have to unwrap it?
4: Yes, ma'am, I'm afraid so. It's in the
3: closet. Richard, we had to hide it. Let me see well, here's the paper it was wrapped in. Stanley must have found it. It's gone. You see, here's the gift card and the box the gun came in. The rifle.
4: Mm-hmm. I wonder if I could look at that box, ma'am. Thank you. How about it, jump? Twenty-two caliber. Thursday, December 22nd, 5.15 p.m. It was getting dark. The search for the missing boy continued. We checked the list of Stanley Johnstone's friends. None of them or their parents had any idea of his whereabouts. We talked with Levinson again. He'd been in touch with the detail combing the neighborhood. They'd found nothing. We went down to Collis Avenue and 10th Street, service station on the corner. One nickel, you No, oh, I got one. Will you watch for that? Yeah. Okay. hall. 2667, please.
9: 2667?
5: Two, six,
4: six, Crime lab, Jones. Hi, Lee. Joe Friday.
5: Yeah, Joe. Any sign of the Johnson kid?
4: No, not yet. How are you coming?
5: Finished the precipitant test. It's human blood. Yeah. Working on the blood group now. Do you know what type the Johnson boy has?
4: Well, I didn't want to upset his mother. Thought I'd wait till the last thing. We're in the neighborhood. Check with the family physician. That way you won't disturb it. Yeah, I figured on that. Uh, just a minute, Lee. Yeah. Yeah, ma'am boss just pulled up okay uh thad brown's out here now i'll check you later lee huh all right joe right bye all right. oh this way Jim. gentlemen how's
0: it going we just checked with lee jones yeah i know it's human blood what do you think
4: we talked with the boy's mother mrs johnstone found a gun missing yeah the caliber's the same as the empty casing levinson found it's 22. you said the gun was missing yeah the johnstones were going to give it to the boys a christmas present they had it hidden but it's gone
0: any idea who took it
4: well, they left the Christmas wrapping behind. I think it was the kid.
0: 22 rifle, huh? Nine-year-old boy. What are they gonna learn? First, it's carbide cannons on the 4th of July. The city issued ordinance after ordinance. A few thousand kids around the country had to lose their eyes, fingers, hands before the parents had give us their full cooperation to outlaw them. I know what you mean. Sure you do. You and every other cop in the country became the heavies trying to clamp down on them. Tell us the same story. This time it's guns for Christmas. Oh, well, I know what you're thinking, but we're not sure yet. Listen, Friday there's a city ordinance against giving a gun to a kid you know that yeah i know that there's a missing boy and a missing gun there's blood on the ground and an empty shell that's enough for me
8: well we're gonna stay with it something's got to break yeah
0: i hope it's not the hearts
5: of that kid's parents hi chief been looking for you friday what do you got harry
8: found the gun
5: new 22 rifle i'd say it's been fired recently where'd you find it levinson back up there in that scrub oak behind the johnstone house mrs johnstone identified it buckley took it down the crime lab
4: thanks harry miss johnstone okay
5: pretty sick now. Doherty came up with something else. What's that? There's another one missing, an eight-year-old
4: boy. 6.30 p.m. We talked with Officer Doherty about the other missing boy. He told us that his name was Stephen morheim eight years old. His family had just moved into the neighborhood. It seemed that no one besides the morheim family knew that the boys played together. Mrs. morheim told us that Stephen told her that he was going out to play and he'd be home by six o'clock for dinner. She told us that he was an unusually prompt boy and almost never overstayed his playtime. We got a description of the Morheim boy and put out a missing broadcast. We called the Johnstone's family doctor. He told us that Stanley's blood was type O. At 7 p.m. we talked again with Mrs. John Morheim.
9: Are you sure Mrs. Johnstone doesn't know where the boys are?
4: She has no idea, Mrs. Morheim.
9: Oh, this is terrible! Just awful. I feel there's more to this thing, something you're not telling me.
4: Well, there's no use to upset you until we know a few things for sure.
9: Then you're holding back something. Well,
4: now please try not to worry, Miss Morheim. There are certain things that we're going to have to ask you, routine questions in any kind of investigation.
9: Is there anything else you want to know?
4: Yes, ma'am. What is your boy's blood type?
9: That's a funny question. Do you think anything's happened to him? Have you found him and you're not telling me? No,
8: ma'am, we haven't found him, and we don't think anything's happened to him.
9: His blood type? Yes, ma'am. I think I have it written down in Stevie's baby book. Yes, here it is. It's type O.
4: Thank you. I wonder if I might use your phone?
9: Yes, of course, it's in the hall.
4: I'll be right back then. Okay.
3: City Hall.
9: Uh,
4: 2667, please.
3: 2667?
10: Two, six, six, Grand Lab,
4: thank you. Hello, Ray. Right, this is Joe Friday. Is Lee there?
10: Just a minute, Joe.
8: Take two, Lee. All
4: right. Jones speaking. Checking back, Lee.
5: Did you
6: get the blood types on the two missing boys?
4: Yeah, both type O.
6: So were the stains, Joe. Type O. <laughs>
1: You are listening to Dragnet for the solution to an actual case from official police files. Now, here's a real solution to many
2: of your Christmas shopping problems. If your friends smoke long cigarettes, give the best of long cigarettes. Give king-size Fatima. You see, Fatima's
1: now cost the same as other long cigarettes. But in Fatima, the
2: difference is quality. Quality of tobaccos. The finest Turkish and domestic varieties, extra mild and superbly blended, to give smokers a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. Quality of manufacture. Smooth, plump cigarettes rolled in the finest paper money can buy. Quality. Even to the appearance of the distinctive royal blue Fatima gift carton. Christmas wrapped and carefully sealed to ensure Fatima's rich, Fresh, extra mild flavor. Remember, Fatima's now
1: cost the same as other long cigarettes. But in Fatima, the
2: difference is quality. So this Christmas, give your friends the best. Give Fatima the quality king-size cigarette. Best of all long cigarettes. (laughs) ¶¶
4: Thursday, December 22nd. Still no sign of either of the missing boys. Chief of Detective Thad Brown went back to headquarters to direct the search from there. We dispatched another detail of 50 men to aid in the hunt for the missing youngsters. 8:30 p.m. It was getting colder. The citrus growers were warned to expect a freeze. We went up the block to see Mrs. Johnstone. Her husband had quit work early and returned home. We talked with him. He could tell us nothing more than we already knew. We still had not informed either of the families about the blood stains and the empty cartridge casing which had been discovered in the backyard of the Johnstone home. It was more than possible that they had a right to know about our findings, but Ben and I felt there was no cause to add to the distress of the two families at this time. If the two missing boys were found alive and well, then the bloodstains and the cartridge would be of no concern to the relieved parents. At 8.40 p.m., Ben and I left the Johnstone house and went to the home of Mr. and Mrs. John Morheim. Ms. Morheim, you said your husband worked at a market?
9: Yes, he telephoned about 15 minutes ago, said he was closing up right away. He'll be here any minute. I do wish Stevie would call, come home. It's so cold out tonight. All he had on was a thin cotton jacket.
4: We'll try not to worry. We're doing everything we can. He'll be all right.
9: Uh, Stevie's father's such a sensitive man. He and the boy are so close. I know he's terribly upset.
4: Now you're sure there's no place that you might have forgotten? Some place where the boy might be?
9: No, no place. No. If anything's happened to the boy, it'll just kill John.
4: No. You sit still. I'll get him, Miss Moran. Joe. Yeah, Harry.
5: Johnstone, kid. He's been found.
3: He's home, Sergeant. He's come home. Thank God, he's all right.
4: Well, where's he been? Did he tell you?
3: No, no, he didn't. His clothes are all dirty, and he's acting strange. I've never seen him like this.
4: How do you mean, Miss Johnston?
3: Well, he just came to the front door and said, Hello, Mom. He sat down in a chair and stared at the floor. He won't talk to his father or me.
4: Do you mind if I talk to him?
3: No, go ahead. I asked him about the little Morheim boy, but he wouldn't tell me a thing. Where is he now? Right over there in the living room. Looks all right. Yes. Son. Son, this is a police officer he wants to talk to you. Don't be afraid, dear. He only wants to ask you some questions. Son. You see, Sergeant?
4: Stanley, look at me, son. Come on,
3: youngster, get your head up there.
4: That's better. You had your mother pretty worried, you know that. You want to tell us where you've
3: been? We should try to get him to eat a little something.
4: You hear that, son? Want something to eat? Stanley, there's another little boy up the studio who hasn't come home. You know where he is? His father and mother are worried about him, too. Just like your folks were. We're going to ask you to help us find him.
11: I killed him. I killed Steve with the twenty-two. We were only playing, but I killed him.
4: How do you know you killed him? Maybe he's only hurt now, isn't that it?
11: No, he's dead. I know he's dead gun went off. I forgot we put bullets in there.
4: Where is he, Stanley?
11: I hit him. I was scared. I didn't want anybody to find him.
4: Where did you hide him, son?
11: In a cave up on the hill. I didn't mean it. He was my pal.
4: Do you want to show us where, Stanley?
11: Yes, I'll show you. Please don't send me to jail. 9.15
4: p.m., Thursday, December 22nd. Nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone led the way up the hill behind the backyard of his home. He showed us the wagon, he moved the body, and his father came along with us. About 50 feet from the crest of the hill, the boy pointed to a thicket of scrub oak. There we found a small cave holding the body of Stephen Morheim. There was a single bullet wound in his chest just below his heart. He was dead. We covered the body. Stanley, how did it happen?
11: I knew my folks were going to give me the gun for Christmas. I knew where it was, and I got it. There was a box of bullets with it.
4: Were you pointing the gun at Stevenson?
11: No, sir. No, sir, I wasn't. It was Steve's turn to play with it. I was chasing him. Tripped over that stump there, and he fell. Gun hit him in the stomach, and it went off.
4: Well, why do you think you killed him if you're telling us the truth?
11: I'm telling the truth. Honest, that's the truth.
4: Well, I believe you, son, but why do you think you killed him?
11: It was my gun. Steve, he would still be alive if I didn't go and get it. You should have waited till Christmas. It's all my fault.
4: Well, where have you been all this time?
11: In the cave with Steve.
4: Well, what were you doing in there, son?
11: I was praying. I was praying for God to make him alive again. Mm-hmm.
4: After a thorough investigation, Ben and I were convinced that the shooting of Stephen Moorheim was accidental. Lieutenant Lee Jones' findings substantiated the Johnstone boy's story even to the smallest detail. We put in a call to the coroner's office and acquainted him with the facts. He designated a local mortuary to handle the body pending autopsy and granted us permission to remove the body to the Moorheim home. Mrs. Moorheim collapsed. The family doctor was called. Ben and I sat in the living room to wait for John Morheim, the dead boy's father.
0: Edith?
8: Edith?
4: Uh, Mr. Morheim. Yeah, are you the police? Yes,
8: sir. Well, where's Edith? Where's my wife? Has my boy come home? Have you found him? Yes, sir. Well, where is he? Steve? Stevie? Where, where's Steve? He's hurt, isn't he? Yes, sir, he is. Is bad, Where is he? I want to see him. He's hurt bad, Mr. Moran. Where is he? I want to see him. How bad? Pretty bad. He's dead.
4: All right, if I go in. Yes, sir, if you want. Will you go with me? Sure. Don't make it any harder on yourself, Mr. Moran.
8: I want to see my boy.
4: (laughs) Mr. Moreheim. Listen
8: to me, son. We got you a lot of nice things for Christmas. Everything you wanted. You, the three new cars for the train. That one with a searchlight on it really works, son. <laughs> got you that new switch you wanted. A lot more track. Oh, now you can have a big layout. And you know that new baseball mitt we saw? I got it for you the cowboy outfit you want. <laughs> Mr. Moreheim, come on, you.
6: What happened?
8: It was an accident. He was playing with a Johnstone boy up the street, playing with a gun. It went off. What was the other boy's
4: name? Stanley Johnstone. It was an accident. Mr. Moreheim, where are you going?
8: I want to see that boy.
4: We had no idea what the dead boy's father had in mind. We didn't feel that we should try to restrain him. We went along with him up the street to the Johnstone home.
8: I'm Stevie's father. Where's your boy?
3: I'm sorry. We bought the rifle. We were going to tell him not to use it unless his father was with him and until he learned how to treat firearms. Where's your boy? Right here. Would you come in?
4: It's all right, Miss Johnston.
8: You the boy that was with Stevie? Yes, sir. What's your name? Stanley. I know it wasn't your fault, Stanley. wonder if you'd do something for me. Yes, sir. I've got a lot of nice presents for Stevie. I know he'd want you to have them. I want to give them to you, Christmas Eve.
11: Mom?
3: I think that'd be a fine idea, son.
4: Come on, Ben. <clears throat> well, what's it all proved, Joe? You, know? you don't give a kid a gun for Christmas.
0: story you've just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the
1: innocent. On December 24th, 1948, a coroner's inquest was held in the county morgue, city and county of Los Angeles, state of California. In a moment, the results of that inquest.
2: Now, here is our star, Jack Webb.
4: Thank you. To get year round thanks for the gift you give this Christmas, give cartons of Fatima's to every long cigarette smoker on your list. Christmas Fatimas in a special royal blue slip over jacket make a perfect gift, just as is. And to my friends who sell Fatimas, the retail dealers and the wholesale distributors all over America, to each one of you, a special season's greeting. And to everyone, a Merry Christmas.
1: At the coroner's inquest, it was officially recorded that Stephen Moorheim's death was the result of an accident. Stanley Johnstone was absolved of any legal responsibility for his friend's death. <laughs> just heard Dragnet, the series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the Office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department.
5: This is Bob Hope. Can we steal a second?
9: Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always wins first place. That milder mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste.
2: So open a pack, give them a smell. Then you'll smoke them. Don't forget to give Crosby for Christmas. I mean the Chesterfield Christmas carton with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. See you Tuesday. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet... Portions transcribed from Los Angeles.
1: We the People is next with more Good Times on NBC.
2: Here is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a missing persons detail. A wealthy businessman in your city drops from sight. There's no trace of him. There's no apparent reason for his disappearance. Your job? Find
7: him. Documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of
4: your police force in action. It was Saturday, February 6th. It was foggy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of missing persons. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from communications, and it was 8.15 a.m. when I got to room 67A. Missing persons. Hello, Joe. Oh, hi, Vance. How you coming on the Jarrett case? Oh, nothing. It's a dead end so far.
5: Yeah, it's a tough
4: one. Joe? Yeah, Ben. Just got a call from Evans Harbor Division. They found Jarrett's car. Where? Where? Parked at the end of Pier 6, abandoned Found about 7 o'clock this morning. Yeah, they checked the car over? Mm-hmm. They found Jarrett's coat in the front seat. Letter in the pocket. Yeah. Suicide note. John Keith Jarrett was a prominent and prosperous man. He was a well-known civic figure and socialite. As a young man, he'd inherited a moderately successful business from his father and over a period of 20 years built it into a million-dollar concern. He was apparently happily married to an attractive woman and he was the father of two grown children, a son, Keith, age 26, and a daughter, Evelyn, age 23. According to his friends, business associates, employees, and advisors, there was no logical reason for Jarrett taking his own life. The letter, found in the abandoned car on Pier 6, was brought downtown and the handwriting checked. It matched perfectly with the other specimens of Jarrett's writing. There was no sign of the gun which Jarrett was supposed to have carried. 9.35 a.m. Ben and I drove down to San Pedro, boarded police boat number one, and joined with officers Brett Canby and Treader in a two-hour search of the area around Pier 6, we found nothing. 11.40 a.m., the launch headed back for the dock. I can't make it out. Not a trace. Well, it might take a little time. Pretty fair chance that the tide swept the body out of the area. It'd still turn up. This fog's not helping much. Yeah. Maybe I'm just on me this morning, Joe. I sure can't buy this thing the way it stands. I'll put in with you there. Jarrett disappears Thursday night after work. His car doesn't turn up till this morning. He made up his mind to jump off the pier. Why'd he stall around an extra day and a half? I don't know. How about Ms. Jarrett? When's she do back? She's flying in late tonight from Sacramento. We can check her in the morning. Yeah, uh-huh. well, looks like we're just about in. Yeah. Well, the crime lab ought to be through checking the car,
6: huh? Yeah, just about, yeah. These boys on PD-1 sure can not handle this
4: thing, can't they? can sure, well, I'm going to call in from the phone on the dock. You want to stand by here a minute? Okay. Watch your step there, George Leverett. Yeah, all right. Michigan 5211, please. Joe Friday. Did you look over that car? Mm Mm-hmm. Where? Oh. Yeah, we'll check with you. Right, thanks. How'd they do, Joe? Anything? Jarrett's gun. The crime lab boys finally found it. Where? In his car. It was hidden up under the dashboard. Yeah? Gun's been fired recently. Two empty shells. How the recovered gun might tie in with Jarrett's disappearance in the suicide note, we had no idea. When the car was found abandoned at the end of Pier 6, the obvious guess was that Jarrett had taken his life by drowning. If that was the case, what accounted for the two shells in his gun? Why was it carefully hidden under the dashboard of the car after it was used? Why were the only fingerprints on it those of Jarrett? Together with Sergeant John Epperson, Ben and I spent the rest of the day interviewing the friends and business associates of the missing man. The answers were the same. Not one of them could think of a good reason why Jarrett would take his life. More than half of them thought that he'd met with some kind of foul play. Late that night, Mrs. Jarrett arrived back in the city. The next morning, Sunday, Ben and I drove out to the mansion in Bel Air to talk to her. She was a pale, middle-aged woman. with a strong smell of liquor on her breath. I
12: was just fixing these flowers. Not very good to keep them out of water very long, you know.
4: Yes, ma'am. You go right ahead with it. can you for some brandy or
12: something? No, I think I might stand a little brandy. Helps sometimes in the morning. Sergeant, I'd like to have you tell me the truth. What do you think has happened
4: to my husband? Well, that's just what we're trying to find out, Miss Jarrett. All we have to go on is that letter that we found in his car. Oh.
12: Well, I can't believe there's anything in that. Jack and I have been married 31 years. He'd never take his own life. I know him that well.
4: The letter was in his handwriting, ma'am. We've confirmed that. You know,
12: that's why I say it. it's so confusing. Look, not a gorgeous rose. Will Scarlet they call it?
10: That's gorgeous.
4: Mm. Yes, ma'am. Would it be possible for us to talk to your son and daughter, Miss Jarrett? Just a routine investigation.
12: Well, I'd rather not have Keith or Evelyn brought into this, if you don't mind. Are you sure you wouldn't care for some brandy? No, thank no. you. Thank you.
4: I don't mean to sound arbitrary, ma'am, but this case isn't exactly trivial, and I'm afraid that your son and daughter will have to be brought into it sooner or later.
12: Well. Uh-huh. Can't be helped, I guess. If you like, I'll give you their addresses. Keith lives in Hollywood, and my daughter Evelyn has an apartment near Malibu.
4: Either one married?
12: We're both single now. Evelyn's been divorced. Mm-hmm.
4: Any trouble between you and your husband? I mean, any recent arguments? Yeah.
12: Mm-hmm. Not recent, no. We didn't get along too well, that's all.
4: Well, you don't think any family trouble could account for Mr. Jarrett's disappearance, huh?
12: Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Jack and I rarely argued. We didn't get along, that's all. It was no worse last week than it was ten years ago. Oh, he has his work. I have my interests. Worked out as well as a lot of marriages, I guess. I'd better get on with these flowers.
4: No offense intended, ma'am, but you don't seem too disturbed by what's happened. Suicide note and all?
12: No. Yes, I don't.
4: You don't think this marriage trouble that you mentioned a little while ago could lead to your husband's suicide?
12: Well, it didn't mean that much to Jack. Good or bad, his family never meant that much to him. Oh. Huh? Mm-hmm. It was always the company, business, making money. We never worked Jack didn't care about having a real family. It didn't mean that much to him. He wrecked everything I ever wanted. I won't bore you with the story.
4: Do you know of any business troubles that might have upset him?
12: No. Jack never discussed business with me. He had his own interests. The children had their own interests. I guess I have mine. Ma'am? I drink, Sergeant. It's something to do. I drink every day in the week. I drink quite a bit. It's only been since the children left. Well, blame them. Jack didn't care. guess I don't care myself anymore. We never were a
4: family. Do you know if your husband's seen your son or daughter recently?
12: Oh, He never visits them. He never had anything in common with him.
4: You still don't think that this trouble has any connection with what might have happened to Mister Jarrett? Uh,
12: maybe. I don't think so. Doesn't seem to matter that much to me. How do you mean? Well, it doesn't matter, Sergeant. I don't hate Jack. I don't love him. Yeah. I just don't care. That's all.
4: Before we left the Bel Air mansion, we got the addresses of the son and daughter in Silver Miss Jarrett's room. No leads. 1 p.m., Ben and I drove down to Malibu to interview the daughter, Evelyn Jarrett. She lived in a small, modernistic cottage bordering on the beach. She was attractive and well-dressed. At the age of 23, she'd been twice married and twice divorced. She sat on the sofa filing her fingernails while we talked to her.
13: I don't mean to be rude, Sergeant. I have a date at 2.30. I don't want to be late.
4: We'll try to make it as quick as possible, Miss Jarrett. We talked to your mother this morning. She told us you haven't seen too much of your father the last two years.
13: Yes, that's right. None of us were ever really close to him.
4: Well, when's the last time that you saw your father, Miss Jarrett?
13: Well, up until last Thursday night. I hadn't seen him for about five months, I guess.
4: Oh, well, you saw your father last Thursday night, was it?
13: Yes, he called me that afternoon. and Said he wanted to have dinner with me and my brother, Keith.
4: Did you have dinner with him?
13: Yes, a little Spanish place out in Melrose. Keith was late as usual.
4: Wasn't that pretty unusual for your father, having you and your brother get together with him for dinner?
13: Well, it didn't happen very often. Mother probably told you about that.
4: Well, how did he seem that night? Did you notice anything unusual about him?
13: No, well, he was pretty much the same as always. Asked Keith and me how we were getting along, if we needed any money.
4: He didn't mention anything about leaving the city, going on a trip, maybe?
13: No, he didn't. We had dinner, a few drinks, then I left.
4: What time was that, Miss Jarrett?
13: A little after midnight, I think. Oh... Keith and my father stayed on. They said they were going to have a few more drinks. I see. Care for a No, oh, well.
4: thank you very much. Here you are, I've got it. Thank you. How was your father when you left him, Miss Yatt? In pretty good mood?
13: Oh, he and Keith were arguing as usual. After a few drinks, they always argue.
4: Anything serious?
13: I don't know. Keith had some debts. He wanted Dad to pay them off. There's one thing I'd like to ask you, Sergeant. Yeah. I read the story in the paper, that gun you found in my father's car. Was it an inflated plated revolver, a thirty-two?
4: Yes, that's right. There were two shells fired.
13: Funny. Dad hasn't had that gun for a year. reason I know is because after my divorce, I moved into this place alone. I thought it'd be a good idea to have a gun around, so I asked my father for his.
11: Yeah?
13: They told me he'd given it away already. He didn't have any more use for it.
4: Who'd he give it to, do you know?
13: Told me he gave it to my brother, Keith. That was almost a year ago. Oh. It must be a mistake. Keith had the gun. How could they find it in my father's car? Well,
4: maybe Keith can tell us. As soon as we left Evelyn Jarrett, we drove to a public phone booth and Ben put in a call to the Green Castle Apartments in Beverly Hills where Keith Jarrett was living. There was no answer. Ben called the manager of the apartment. Yes, sir. How's that? Mm-hmm. When did you say? I see. All right. Thank you. Bye. Maybe we've got something. What's that? Jarrett's son doesn't live there anymore. Manager says he moved in a hurry. Yeah, when? Thursday night.
7: You are listening to Dragnet.
4: Sunday, February 7th, 4 p.m. Ben and I drove to the apartment vacated by Keith Jarrett and checked it over. No leads. We called Mrs. Jarrett and her daughter Evelyn. They had no idea of Keith's whereabouts. Mrs. Jarrett suggested that we call a fashionable tennis club out in Hollywood to which her son belonged. There they told us that Keith Jarrett was scheduled to play in a tournament match on their courts the following morning. Monday, February 8th, 10.30 a.m. We checked in at the tennis club. Joe, I talked to the man at the desk. Yeah. You see, he said he he's around here someplace. He's having a boy paging. He'll send him over to her. Okay. I wonder if this is where he moved after he left the apartment. Huh? No, I talked to the clerk at the desk. They don't have living quarters oh, yeah. here. And that's sure a beautiful stretch of lawn, isn't it? Yeah. I
10: wonder if they have any trouble with Gopher. Mm-hmm. Nice shot. My name's Jarrett. You a gentleman looking for me? Oh, yeah. Well, police
4: officer's Jarrett. We'd like to talk to you a few minutes, if you don't mind. Oh,
10: no, not at all, uh... A match coming up. But... Yeah, I got time. What can I do for you? It?
4: It's about your father, Jack. We've been assigned to the case. Thought you might be able to help us out.
10: Oh, yeah. Got to tell you anything I know. Figure suicide. Kind of unusual. We haven't spent much time together the last couple of years. My father and I didn't get along too well.
4: well. How do you seem to you Thursday night? All right?
10: Yeah, pretty much the same as always. We ate, had a few drinks. That was about the size of it. What time did you leave the restaurant? Do you remember? Oh, one, I guess your father leave with you? Yeah, that's right. We drove to my place for a nightcap, talked a little, and then he left. What'd you talk about, do you talk? Same old thing. He tried to argue me into taking a job with a company. He's been trying to sell me out for years. I never could see it. I see. What
4: kind of work do you do now, Jack?
10: Tennis. How's that? I play tennis. Follow the tournaments. I like it pretty well. My father never could see it. He calls his tennis puns. I see. So then you, you don't have a regular job that you work at? No, that's what we always argued about. I like tennis though. I figure if you've got the money and you don't have to work, you might as well be doing something you like. Hey, you fellas care for sticking guns? No, thank you. Excuse me. You know, I've been doing pretty well since I strengthened my backhand. I'm seated fourth in this tournament. That's so. Pretty good life all in all, a lot of fresh air. I've seen girls around, good class
4: people. Mm-hmm. You still live in town, Jerry?
10: My friend and I rented a Hollywood. Just moved there. When'd you move? Sometime last week. Why? Thursday night. Yeah, that's right. Thursday night. Is that supposed to mean something? You left pretty much in a hurry, didn't you? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Mind telling us why? Look, uh, let's go back in the lounge. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I'm Mr. Warren, more privacy and no use advertising what's that I got quite a few bills around town that need paying try to get my father to cover them when I saw him Thursday night he turned me down so I figured the best thing to do was move I'd lose some of the bill collectors for a while anyway. Uh-huh. do you usually notify your family when you move well, I was going to let them know I haven't gotten around to it yet I don't think I get it
4: all these questions just routines Jerry. we understand that your father gave you a gun about a year ago a .32 revolver nickel plate Yeah, no, that's right well, if you had the gun, how come it was found in your father's car?
10: Because he asked me for it back. Oh, it must have been months, six weeks ago. You say why he wanted it back? No, I didn't ask him. I dropped it off one day when I was going by his office. You can check with his secretary, now, Mr. Butler. Say, fellas, if you don't mind, I better run. I got that
4: doubles match coming. Right. Well, Just one more question, Jared. Can you think of a good reason why your father would want to take his own life? Just one? Yeah? You met my mother? During the next three weeks, besides checking on dozens of other missing persons calls, we continued pushing the search for John Keith Jarrett. One by one, we eliminated the possibilities. Jarrett's personal physician told us that after a recent examination, he considered his patient to be in sound physical and mental health. We rechecked Jarrett's business rating. His company was in excellent financial condition. His bank statements were gone over. Nothing showed there. We talked to Jarrett's lawyer. He could think of nothing to account for his client's disappearance or possible suicide. We went back and retraced our steps. Outside of the gun found in Jarrett's car, which tied in with nothing, there was no hint of fuck involved. Two months went by. We kept pressing the search. We got nowhere. Thursday, April 11th, I had lunch at the Federal Cafe and then I took our car, 80K, to the police garage for servicing. 1.15 p.m. I checked back in at the office. Yo. Hi. Got something. Yeah? Jared Jarrett case. This take-back just came through from Washington. Oh, let me see. Now, look here. Here you go. Uh, Walter John Mitchell, Port Santa Tomas. Santa Tomas. Yeah, we've been there. A little fishing town north of San Diego. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Walter Mitchell, small boat operator, applied for a Coast Guard pass March 18th. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Checked the fingerprints on Mitchell's application. Found to be the same as fingerprints on missing persons bulletin. Well, how about that? Yes, we made it. John Jarrett, Walter Mitchell. Same man, huh? 2 p.m. Then and I checked out of the office, got in the car, and drove down the coast to Port Santa Tomas, a small fishing town with a population of 250. On his application for a Coast Guard pass, the man who signed himself, Walter John Mitchell, listed his address as Pier 2, birth number 11. When we checked there, the berth was empty. We talked to one of the villagers fishing from the pier. He pointed to a fishing craft lying halfway out in the bay and identified it as the Blanche S, Mitchell's boat. He said he was having engine trouble. A man told us that he had a small boat that he'd rent out for $2. We took him up on it. It's sure hot down here. I think I'll get rid of this coat. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yep. I'll give you a hand there. Thanks. Okay. Oh, your sure long pull. Uh, you want me to take over for a while? No, we're almost there now. Yeah, easy now. We're coming alongside you. Yeah, all right. That ought to do it. Mr. Mitchell?
6: Walter Mitchell? Yeah, yeah. coming. What
4: was it? Police officer, sir. I'd like to talk to you if you have a minute.
6: Oh. All right. Come on aboard. Hold the steady there. All right, I got it. Go ahead, then. Yeah, all right. Look, what? what? It? Well, oh, you better grab hold of my hand. Yeah, all right. Thank you. There. Tie up and climb aboard. Yes, sir. Thank you. Come on up for officer. Thank you.
4: My name is Romero, sir. This is my partner, Sergeant Friday. How do you do? How do you do,
6: sir? Here we are. You can sit on that hat cover if you like. Clean. Scrubbed it down mm-hmm. myself this morning. Oh,
10: All right, that's fine. Thank
6: you, sir. A beautiful day, isn't it? Nice warm sun. Look at that. Water's clear as crystal. It's good life out here, officer.
4: Yes, sir. I guess you have a pretty good hunch why we're here.
6: Well, I don't know. Like to have you tell me.
4: Well, your real name's Jared, isn't it? John Keith Jarrett? Yeah, I thought so.
6: I've been halfway expecting it. Tell me, how'd you find
4: it? Your application for a Coast Guard pass. Checked the fingerprints on it. Well,
6: yeah, but you didn't have anything to compare
4: them with, did you? Well, when you applied for that permit to carry a gun, we got a set of your prints. They went out with the missing persons bulletin on you. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Washington matched up the prints and sent the information along to
6: Yeah, it's all right. Sure handed to you fellas. I thought I was pretty smart covering
4: up. Well, how about it, Mr. Jarrett? I mean, taking off like you did—don't you figure that maybe you have a little explaining to do?
10: Yeah, imagine I do. Smoke? Oh, thank you. Yes, sir. I'd like one. Here, it's I got good. a match right here. Uh, well, no need to tell you—you've
6: had a lot of people worrying over you. I don't think they're too many. My secretary, maybe, right? Well, yes, sir. Look, I realize you men know your business. I know I don't have to remind you, but I just like to make it clear. What's that? I know a little bit of the law, and I want you to stand this. If you should tell anyone where I am, I'd consider it an invasion of my personal rights, okay? Any way you want it. Maybe you can't figure out my disappearing the way I did, but I think uh, you know that legally I've done nothing wrong. I've respected the rights of the law, and now I want the law to respect my rights.
4: Yes, sir. It's fine with us, Mr. Jarrett. Just one thing. Yes, sir. We've chased down quite a few blind alleys on this thing. That false suicide that you staged, the gun, the letter... You think that maybe that earns us an explanation? I'm sorry about the legwork, believe me.
6: You can hear the story if you want, oh short version or long. Which one?
4: Any way you want to tell it.
6: Uh-huh. You met my family, have you? Yeah, we have. My wife? Yes. Sir. My son, Keith? Yeah. My daughter? Yes, sir. Well, you know what they're like. My wife's been an alcoholic for eight years. Why be polite? She's a drunk. My son's a tennis bum. There's no other word for that. My daughter? Yes. Sir. You know it as well as I do. Two divorces, different boyfriend every week. You might as well be walking the street. I worked hard for my family, Sergeant. I was proud of them once. What would you do if they turned out the way they had? I don't think I could say, Mr. Jarrett, I don't know your family that well. There's a good reason you don't, Sergeant. I paid a lot of money to keep them off the front page. One jam after another. Scandal, ten years of it. Covering up for them. I got tired of it. Dead tired. Maybe I'm just getting old. You mean care for a cold bottle of beer? No, I don't think you Well, there's nothing more to tell, officers. I worked most of my life for my family. I've had three vacations in 20 years. I tried to do everything I could for them. They're rotting apart, Sergeant, all three of them. I didn't want to stand around and watch them rot.
4: That's why I left. I see.
6: They each have their own trust fund. They'll be taken care of.
4: Yes, sir. Well, I guess it's none of my business, Mr. Jarrett, but do you think that you might have been to blame, maybe? Your children, I mean? I don't know. Maybe... If I
6: made the mistakes, I guess I'll pay for them. Not much from changing your life when you're 52 years old. Gets lonely sometimes. Pretty lonely. Well, what are you going to do now, do you know? Ooh, sail around, I guess. Take the blanche yes. down to Mexico all around, do some fishing. It's lonely sometimes. I'll get used to it. Say, you men wouldn't like to stay on board for dinner, would you? I'm even learning to cook.
4: No, thank you, Mr. Jay.
10: Guess we better start getting back,
6: then, Joe. Yeah, we have. Well, thanks very much for dropping by, officer. Sorry about that extra legwork I caused you. Oh, uh, here. What's this? Two dollars for the rent of the rope. Glad to match, Jarrett. Good to you. Same to you, Friday. Goodbye.
4: Bye, Goodbye, sir. Mr. Yeah.
6: Watch your step, there. Now. Yes.
4: Yeah, we got it all right. I think. Okay. There you go.
6: Okay, Joe. Come ahead. All right. Passed off your line, boy. Okay. Thanks, Mr. Mitchell. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good luck, gentlemen. Good
13: luck
4: to you. Nice fellow, that Mr. Mitchell. hmm? Yeah. Strange one, huh, Joe? Oh, I don't know. He seems pretty happy. Must have been pretty rough on him. Yeah. What's it prove? It's no crime to get lost. The story
2: you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent.
7: On April 19th, a final report was filed by officers investigating the disappearance of John Keith Jarrett. In a moment, the results of that report. After a complete investigation by officers into the case, it was found that John Keith Jarrett had acted within his rights. Legally, for the officers to disclose his whereabouts would have constituted an invasion of privacy. Three years ago, unknown to his family or friends, John Jarrett died and was buried anonymously. <laughs> Just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the Office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. <laughs>